0: We are in Revelation chapter nine now, and I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying uh, going through these, uh, going through the Book of Revelation, getting a lot out of it. I think we have been just severely destroying the pre-trib doctrine, and uh, in this teaching, one thing I need to do, I think, before we go on, uh, I want to, I need to call my wife out. I didn't tell her I was going to do this for some false doctrine that she's been getting caught up into. She is into this thing, it's called a post-tribulation delivery when it comes to having babies. All right? And she believes that before she actually has her baby, that there, she's going to go through a time of tribulation where she's going like to have contractions and labor pains, and she's going to have to go through all this agony and all this pain before having a baby. And that's just a false doctrine because you know the Bible says... <laughs> Children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Why would God give us make us go through women go through a whole bunch of pain before giving them their reward? Have you ever thought about that? You know? And she tried to tell me, you know, when I'm calling her out for this, that you know the it says God told Eve that he was going to multiply her sorrow and conception, but I told her she wasn't rightly dividing the scriptures. Because who was that written to? That was the Eve. Is she Eve? No. So, you know, I believe that her, ba- you know, this baby, you know, the coming, it's imminent. It means it can happen at any moment, even before the service is over. Before the service is over, we can have the new baby right here, no pain, no agony, nothing like that. And, you know, I, I just want to call her out publicly in her church. She's caught up in this post tribulation baby delivery. And, you know, I'll so say you're being ridiculous. Just as ridiculous as pre trippers. Just as ridiculous, and the way I butchered the scriptures right there to support my teaching, alright, or refute her teaching, is exactly what they do. It is exactly what they do, and it is no more ridiculous. And so, I just thought I'd have fun with you, just kind of make fun of pre-trivers for a little bit. But, anyway, tonight, so as as we go through chapter 9, I want to point out a few things, but before we do this, I need to just kind of do some review, make sure we all know what's going on, where we're at. So we are in the wrath of God period. All right, Right now, this is going to be after the rapture. And so in chapter 7, we see the rapture take place. Chapter 6 was the tribulation. Chapter 7 was the rapture. And then in chapter 8, we, went, uh, we get into the trumpets. And so the book has been opened. The seven seals are broken. The trumpets start blowing, revealing different things uh, when it comes to... Uh, God's wrath. And so now we're getting into the fifth trumpet. We're going to look at the fifth and sixth trumpet tonight. And these uh, two trumpets here are the two woes. Two of the three woes. Because at the very end of chapter 8, verse thir- thir- 13, it says, "...I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpets, of the three angels, which are yet to sound. So uh, these are really bad ones. Those first four were pretty bad. They were really bad. But these ones I think are even worse. It's kind of what the Bible's saying. It's going to get a lot worse. And so in verse 1 it says, "...and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit." Now, I personally think this is talking about Satan right here. I think this is a reference... To when Satan falls from heaven, because the, and now it's it's hard for me to just prove this to you and to be super dogmatic on this. But let me just kind of share some opinion with you about how I think some of the stuff's going to play out. Now we see in uh, it's very clear that when Jesus Christ returns, at the rapture, the same day that we go out, fire and brimstone is going to fall on this earth, and that's exactly what we see. In chapter 7, we're raptured. Then when we get to chapter 8, it mentions there being silenced in heaven for the space of a half an hour. And then a lot of these judgments we see, they involve fire and brimstone falling. And I personally think those first four trumpets, I think probably happen pretty much at the same time. I think they happen very quickly. In fact, they might all very well happen the day of the rapture. I, I don't know that for sure. It's just kind of my opinion how I think it's probably going to play out. But I think those first four trumpets are going to happen pretty quick, right after the rapture. All those are definitely going to get the world's attention. And then it's like we kind of have a, a column here for a second where an angel's going through warning the earth, telling them, hey, there's more to come. It's about to get worse. And then I think this, these next two woes that we see, it's almost like a second wave of attacks from God coming on this earth It's kind of how I think it takes place. But I say all that because one of the things that I think I believe happens after the rapture is I believe that's when Satan's thrown out of heaven. I believe that's when he uh, he comes to Earth and will probably I think you know literally possess the Antichrist. And I'll say more about that when we get to uh, some of the later chapters where it deals specifically with the Beast and stuff. But um, I'm saying all this to show I personally believe here in verse 1 with the star that falls from heaven, I think this is a reference to Satan. He's given the key of the bottomless pit. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, it says, "...and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out." That old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceived the whole world, he was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So, uh, I personally think that that's when he's cast out. It's either then, I, I don't know for sure, it's either like right after the rapture or maybe, you know, right before the abomination of desolation. It, it's very possible. I, I don't know for sure on that. I still have a little more study I need to do on that. But I do think this is a reference to it. Uh, here in in verse 1. And so in verse 2 it says, "...and He opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree..." But only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads, and that's referring to the 144,000. They're the only ones. In the Left Behind books, all the saved people have a seal in their head, forehead that only saved people can see. And that's how you're able to identify who's saved and who's lost. They can see the mark on the forehead. And so I do not think that's the way it's going to work. I think it's just 144,000 that have it. The Bible doesn't tell us about anybody else having it. But it says in verse 5, it says, "...and unto them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man." So, I personally believe that these are actually some type of demonic locusts. All right. Where they came from originally, I have no idea. I mean, it's, it's one of these strange things. And when you get into the stuff involving the wrath of God, that stuff isn't quite as clear as a lot of the things about the tribulation. And I think there's a reason for that. Because of the fact, we're going to see some examples of this too, God's wrath that He is pouring out in this earth, and every time God pours His wrath out, it is not meant to get people to repent it is not meant to get people right with god when god pours his wrath out there's one purpose judgment okay when when god started sending the rain and the flood in noah's day you know god didn't send that rain to try to get the people to all of a sudden call out to god and get saved you know why god sent the rain to kill them okay same thing with the fire and brimstone in sodom and gomorrah the point was to kill them. So the thing is, we know too from Second Thessalonians chapter two that those who um, you know did not receive the truth, had pleasure in unrighteousness. God's going to send them a strong delusion, so they'll believe a lie. So really, there is no reason for us to know all the little details of what God's wrath is going to be like. Okay. And so some of these things that are not as cut and dry, might not be real clear, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. You know, we can fight about some of this stuff if we want. We can have, you know, uh, we can kind of give our opinions. A lot of people, they talk about locusts, they'll try to say, oh, they're not really locusts, they're actually helicopters. I've heard people say that before. I don't think they're helicopters, okay? Now, if somebody wants to think they're helicopters, I'm not going to beat them up for it, okay? Because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. We're long gone by the time this happens. So I'm not going to beat anybody up for for thinking that. I just I just don't personally think that's the case. Same thing too when we see this two hundred million man army, alright, that I personally think this is some type of demonic thing. Yet I, I remember when I was younger you're always hearing about the two hundred million man army in China. You know, this is talking about the Chinese. You know, and it's like, well, here, let, let's compromise. Maybe there's like a demonic force behind this 200 million man army. There we go. So now we're all happy, right? You know, either way, I, a lot of this stuff that we see here in chapter 9, if somebody doesn't agree with me on, on a lot of these things, I'm not going to beat them up for it. All right? I, don't, I don't really, it's not that big of a deal. But one thing is crystal clear, this is a supernatural event that's going on. It's one. It's clear that it's a judgment from God. And it's, meant, no, it's. I think it's interesting how the Bible mentions too, and this is why I think they're actually some type of locust, because of the fact it mentions that they don't go after the grass or the plants, which is what we would expect the locusts to do, right? And so if you have this swarm of crazy locusts that come along, you would expect them to go after plants, but they're not. They're only going after people. And they're not killing people. They're only tormenting people. And I believe that is something that is clearly a sign to people showing the wrath of God is on them. It kind of reminds me of what we see in 1 Kings chapter 13. You don't need to turn there, but remember the story of that young prophet that went and he was supposed to go in, give the message, and then get out. But the old prophet came along and he lied. And remember what happened? A lion came and killed him. But the lion didn't eat him. It just killed him. And look what it says in 1 Kings 13.24. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. You know, that got everybody's attention. Here is a lion that killed a man, but he didn't eat him, and he's sitting by his carcass, and the ass is there too. Why isn't he, you know, the ass scared? Why isn't he killing it? You know why? Because this lion wasn't doing, you know, it, this was not just like a natural thing that happened. No, this was a judgment from God. And so, if the Bible mentions these locusts, How they're not going after the plants and things because that's exactly what people would expect them to do. But no, they're going for the people. And, I mean, it it said there's, in nature, you know, there's just certain things you expect from creatures. And it's weird for just something to attack, just to attack. that's, That's pretty rare. One time when I was out bow fishing, Tommy was with me, and we have this on video too. I was like getting attacked by, there was a carp chasing us. Literally, chasing after us, coming up out of the water, it was weird. And so I went and I shot it and again. But I found out what was going on. We videoed it. I had shot before at this one, and I like knocked a chunk of its head off. I think the thing was like It was swimming into the into the kayak. Fish do not do that. It was swimming into the kayak, and I said so I don't think it was angry. I don't think it knew what was going on you know you get a chunk of your head taken off with an arrow and you're probably going to do some weird stuff too but i i just remember i'm like what is going on you know this thing is attacking our boat and i i think it was either really angry <laughs> cuz i shot a chunk of its head off or it didn't know what was going on it was really weird and the thing is it was way downstream of where i had shot it too that was one of the weirdest things but you you know so you know how did you know something was wrong cuz Fish just don't attack you like that. Carp do not attack you. Okay, they they swim away, and you know locusts they don't just go around attacking people. They go and they eat up plants. But these ones are attacking people. Why? Because this is a judgment from God that is coming, and so um, you know it's 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 unusual for a creature to just want to torment. Someone. I can't think of anything in the animal kingdom. I mean, there's some mean stuff in the animal kingdom, but I, I don't think there's too many things that just try to torment. Okay? Our cats like to torment mice, but they're just playing with them. You know, you'll see them where they knock them around and, you know, they're torturing them, but it's not necessarily malicious. It's just, that's their way of having fun. And this is something that is very unusual going on. It says in verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them now this is where we can get in you know we we can come up with some pretty strange conclusions all right and once again if your conclusions are a little different than me on this one i'm not going i'm not going to beat you up for it either okay now i was always taught people will not be able to die for 5 months well if people can't die for 5 months that Creates an interesting situation. So, th- could this be the coming zombie apocalypse? I mean, because isn't that what a zombie is? It's something that should be dead, but they just keep going, right? You know, they're just they just keep going, and you know, but it's like God stops death, and you know, and everybody's seen the movies. That you know, there was I forgot there was this old black and white movie that one years ago where the guy captured death in a tree, and yeah, he got he got him captured in there. And you know, and then he found out nobody in the world was dying, but then there was all these people suffering. And then his grandson got hurt, and his grandson was suffering and he couldn't die. So he finally released death. You know. And that would be and there's you know, movies have done this, there's been a lot of examples of that. You know, it would be horrible if a person wasn't able to die. So, you know, is this something God's doing, you know, and the devil's getting everybody all ready with Uh, zombie apocalypse movies. So during this time when it comes, when there's all these people that should be dead walking around, everybody's going to think they're zombies. And what's everybody going to do if you think they're zombies? They're going to get a shotgun and try to blow your head off, right? Well, and then, people are going to be crawling around without heads. You know, what a horrible torture, right? Is that what we think the Bible's teaching? Well, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, You know, Once again, not our problem. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm going to tell you what I personally think that means, alright? When it talks about death fleeing from them. Because uh, some people teach that while they want to die, they won't be able to bring themselves to make it happen. Now, I actually think that's a little more credible because of the fact, too, why are people going to want to die? They're wanting to die, wanting to escape this torment, but ultimately, they're trying to get away from the wrath of God. In Revelation 6, verse 15, look what it says. It says, "...and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand?" Now, why are they saying this? Because Jesus Christ is returning in the clouds And the world's in trouble. They do not want to face His wrath. So what are they doing? They're, they're asking for the rocks to fall on them. They would rather die than face God's wrath. But God is bringing this wrath on them as a punishment. And so do you think God's going to let them escape it with death? No, He's not. God wants them to deal with this wrath. God wants that. This is something God wants. Okay? Do we think God's going to let people die in hell? You know? If you're in hell, can you just kill yourself then? No. You're already dead. You don't get to escape the wrath of God. And during this time, I believe this, uh, during these five months, God's not letting pe- put people die. Okay, so then the question, once again. So then, you know, what if I take a shotgun and I blow my head off? You saying I won't be dead? No, I'm saying you won't be able to blow your head off with a shotgun. Why is that? Because Think about it. We all naturally have a survival instinct, don't we? We have a survival instinct. And I personally believe that suicide is a very demonic thing. I think, I think being suicidal is often a demonic thing. It is not natural for somebody to just kill themselves. Do we not say it's demonic when people are cutting themselves like the maniac of Gadera did? We all say that that's demonic. Well, how much worse is it than blowing your head off? And we do. We say we see the story in the Bible about the man who talked, you know, came to Jesus and said, you know, have mercy on my son for he's a lunatic. What did he do? He cast himself in the water. He cast himself in the fire. Why is he doing these things? He's possessed of a devil. And it's making him do these bad things. And I personally believe that when people commit suicide, I believe that demonic forces are at work there because it is not natural for you to just go kill yourself It's amazing some of the stories that are out there of things that people have done to save their own lives, to just survive. When you hear the stories of people who are in some of these concentration camps where they were tortured for months and even years sometimes, and it's like, why didn't those people kill themselves? You know why? Because they had a survivor instinct. We all have a survivor, a survival instinct that's inside of us, and we want to live. We don't want to die. And for somebody to just go and to be able to kill themselves, I believe you've got to have some demonic help to do that. And so all God has to do to stop death during this time, you know, it wouldn't be hard for God to just prevent the accidents, things that would normally cause it. But all He's got to do is just, you know, remove that demonic influence and not allow them to, you know. Get people to shoot themselves. We we want to survive. If you got stung by a scorpion right now, I'm sure it would hurt pretty bad. Would you just go and try to kill yourself to get rid of the pain? No. You you would try to you know do something. You would try to survive. It's just it's a part of our instinct. So I personally think you know that's that's what I think. I think they're just not going to be able to because God's not going to let them. God's not going to let them get off that easy and I don't think they'll be able to bring themselves to do it. And it's just like, you know, right now, we have the physical strength. You know, you could, if you got your arm in the right position, you could break your own arm. Okay? But how many of us have ever just broke our arm on purpose? Okay? No. It, I, it's, and the only way people ever do, I mean, really brutal things to themselves for good reasons is often to save their life. You know, I've heard of Pete. You know, I heard the one story. I don't even know if it's a true story. You know, talk about being caught between a rock and a hard place. That happened to somebody where his arm was trapped by a boulder when he was out hiking somewhere, and he took a knife and he cut his own arm off. All right. Now, it would be demonic if I stood up here and did that right now, but it wouldn't be if I was doing it to save my life. Okay, because we do. We want to survive. That is a nat- That is a natural thing. It is unnatural to t- to mutilate yourself. To try to kill yourself, so you know keep all you know keep all those things in mind. So you know here's what we is what is clear and what we know. The judgments that are coming are just nothing anyone's going to be able to escape. You're not getting out of it. People, you know, would normally, if desperate enough, they would just commit suicide. But I I think suicide is one of the most unnatural things that you can do to yourself. And so. I believe it's demonic and I think God just needs to stop the demons. That's all He's got to do. So look at verse 7. It says, "...and the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of a woman, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as that were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle." And they had tails like in an a scorpions, and their stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. So these are some crazy looking creatures. I mean this would freak anybody out. Face of a man, hair of a woman. Hair of a woman. What does that mean? What does that mean, hair of a woman? Alright, uh, let's just throw that in there. Long hair. Alright? Long hair. Face of a man, hair of a woman. The Bible is not gender neutral. Alright? And there is a difference between man's hair and women's hair, obviously. And so I mean they're actually wearing armor. That's not something that you see. And once again, you know, I I, I do believe these are literal creatures. And you know what? I can't answer the question. Where did these things come from? They're locked up in the bottomless pit. Everything that we see in the bottomless pit, too, is stuff that's been around before. Okay, and has, if, they're, if they're you know people like well, the demons or fallen angels, well, these couldn't have been heavenly things at one time. I mean, look at them. You know, they're creepy, but at the same time, you know, the Bible just doesn't tell us, and you know, we can't go going all ruptured and just deciding well. You know, these are pre flood creatures from when they were, you know, breeding humans and animals. No, 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 no. Listen, just because there are some verses that have things that maybe the Bible doesn't give us answers for, it doesn't mean we get to use those things to fill in blanks for something else. Okay? That is wrong to do that. That is foolish. And And I've heard people try to say, you know, these were things that were on the earth before the flood. You know, don't, you know, be careful of stuff like that. We don't know. You know, sometimes we can just say, I don't know. And that's okay. It's alright if we can say that. And if you want to find out, you know, just find out when you get in heaven or just don't get saved and see if these things know how to talk when they're tormenting you. <laughs> the Ruckmanites, they can ask them when they're getting tormented by them. Alright, because we all know they're getting left behind. But anyway, you know, I don't believe they're symbolic, I believe they're literal. And so, look at verse twelve it says, one woe is past, and behold, uh there come two uh there come two woes more hereafter. So one of the things that I think when it comes to this, so said so I believe those first four trumpets happen pretty fast. I believe they happen pretty fast. Probably one right after the other. This one here, this is the first thing we see in all the judgments that have a timeline attached to it. All the other things, you know, before that, they don't have timelines attached to it. We don't see anything like that. In Revelation 6, there's no timelines attached to any of that. This is the first thing we see, and we see five months that are mentioned. And, I won't get so much into it today, I probably will when we get into some of the later chapters, but, it is real easy to fit these seven trumpets in the th- uh, you know, in a three and a half year period. It's real easy to do that. People get confused when they get to the two witnesses because it's clear the two, and the, uh, the two witnesses are there for three and a half years. But at the same time, those two witnesses are not one of the woes. Okay, While we see a progression of events here, before we get to uh, you know, the end of chapter 11, the two witnesses are mentioned, but it doesn't mean they couldn't have already been doing their thing. You know when a lot of this stuff was going on, and I'll show you uh, I'll show you some examples of that when we get to that. Right now, the Bible or John is showing us the seven trumpets. Okay, he's showing us the seven trumpets. That's it. Later, he shows us the two witnesses. Okay, and so just because we see the two witnesses after this event here in Revelation nine, it doesn't mean the two witnesses are not on earth during this time. And I'll show more evidence to prove that when we get when we get to that chapter, but people get confused because they'll we finally start getting a timeline. We've got one here where there's five months. We've got another example later where there's a year, a month, and a day, I think it is. And then after that, you've got something for three and a half years, and it's like, that doesn't all fit. You know it doesn't all fit. Well, it's because you're putting the two witnesses in the wrong place. You're assuming, they start after these events. The Bible does not teach that. It does not indicate that in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it's, I believe the Bible makes it very clear when they do start. So, we'll cover that when we get to, when we get to the two witnesses. But I just, I say all this to show you that these woes, they easily fit in our timeline. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, the four trumpets mentioned in chapter 8, they probably all happen at once. These probably start almost immediately after. But, you know, They don't have to, but I, I think they probably do. And so I, I think the four trumpets too, if you go back and you read the stories there, I think they're probably just more detailed information on the fire and brimstone that falls from heaven the same day we're taken out of the earth. I think it's just you know going into greater detail on that. So there's no reason that the three woes couldn't begin I mean, literally the very next day. It, it very, very well could. I don't know that it does. It doesn't have to, but either way it could. So in verse 13 of chapter 9, we get to the sixth trumpet or the second woe. And verse, Because I personally think the third woe too, I'm getting ahead of myself in some of these things. I think the third woe is Armageddon. I, I think that's pretty easy to prove. I think that's the third woe is Armageddon. But in verse 13 it says, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand and I heard the number of them; so that's two hundred or uh, two hundred million. And I and thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. So, you know, more creepy creatures that, once again, are they literal or are they symbolic? Many people who take the locusts as being real, they often make this symbolic, I think, because of the whole China thing. Now, I don't know. I haven't, got, I haven't got through it yet. I've been reading, I, I just started reading this week, The Late Great Planet Earth. And oh my goodness, that book is answering so many questions that I had and confirming a lot of assumptions I had, but just a lot of the foolishness that had just been being regurgitated without the backing of any scripture for years. I thought came from that book, and sure enough, it did. It did, and it is ridiculous. And uh, the next chapter I'm going to be uh, getting into it's um, Gog and Magog is Russia. And man, oh man, so I, I'm I'm enjoying this book so far, and I, I, I might I might preach a whole sermon just on just on that book because it 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 greatly influenced a generation. And the generation we're fighting on this stuff that's just digging in their heels is the generation that read that junk. Yes. It is they are it that stuff that they read in that book, that stuff just got repeated in conference and camp meeting after camp meeting and it just got cemented in the minds of people and they it's it's not going anywhere. It's not getting out. It isn't. But you know what? I at least want to expose this book and the teachings that are in there for this next generation that's just heard this stuff regurgitated from that previous generation. So they know where they got it from. Because they didn't get it from the Bible. And so the first few chapters were pretty normal, just talking about how credible the Bible is on prophecy. But then when he gets to Israel, and that whole thing, 1948, being the budding of the fig tree, that's where that came from. Because I've even when I was pre-trib I thought that teaching was stupid I, I did I always I got in trouble all the time for arguing with people about 1948 being the budding of the fig tree it didn't make any sense I always knew that was stupid and that's it's in that book and it's like that's what they got I knew they didn't get it from the Bible <laughs> but they they got it from that book but I don't know why I got sidetracked on that but I, I don't know I'm wondering if that's where the whole 200 million man army China thing came from. I don't know. I haven't got there yet. I'm, it's one of those things. I, there's been a lot of things I've been expecting to find in this book, and I have found. I've been expecting to find that in the book too. but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what hap- we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, so uh, you know it is I said once again, I don't think it's 200 million man army. Could something happen with that in the you know during this time? It is. It's very possible. It could be this is a demonic force behind it. i preached whole messages on this too, showing the princes that we see in the Bible, how different areas have different princes. And these princes, they work in different geographic locations quite often. And I believe that's one of the reasons too, we see so many similarities, for example, in the Gog and Magog battle. When you look at the way the nations are aligned and that are mentioned there, it looks a lot like what we see going on today. I'll admit I'll admit that it does look similar. But here's the thing. The Bible is crystal clear that Gog and Magog come after the millennium. There is no doubt about that. There is no doubt about that. You say but things are going to completely change during the millennium. It looks so much like it now. You know, how could things be so similar now? And be the same even after the millennium because after the thousand years are expired, Satan's going to be loosed for a little season. And I think some of his princes are probably going to be allowed to come with him. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go right back to working where they've always worked. So, I do believe there are demonic forces that are at work in different places. And that very well could be something that's going on here. I don't think the Bible gives strong indication of that anywhere. But, you know, either way, it doesn't really need to because we don't need to necessarily, there's no reason for us to be able to identify this 200 million man army. These people are there or these things are a part of God's wrath. They are going to kill one third of the population. That's what they're there for. This is part of God's wrath. So, there's no reason for us as believers to Know for sure what this is, so that's why I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't beat people up over this stuff. I will beat people up if they got the China thing out of the lake, Great Planet Earth, because I'm just sick of people regurgitating stuff just because they read it in a book that was popular. And so I, I will beat those people up. But anyway, so verse 20 says, and the rest of them which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries nor of their fornication nor of their thefts. Okay? I think it's interesting that this is mentioned because you would think after these locusts that come along tormenting people for five months, You'd think people get right with God, wouldn't you? You would think that after you have this 200 million man army, whether demonic or Chinese, that kills one third of the earth, you would think people would say, you know what? It's time to get right with God. But guess what? It doesn't. You know why? Because God's wrath is not meant to get people right with God. You know what God uses to get people right with Him? He uses the gospel, is what He uses. He uses the Gospel. We preach the Gospel and people are supposed to believe it. These are people who have rejected the Gospel. So you know what? They're, they don't use these things to repent. And Now, people think that. And it makes sense that they would, but that is not how God works. Just like the rich man... He told Abraham, "If you'll send Lazarus back, my brothers will believe. They'll believe even if one rose from the dead." Sam Gibb teaches the forty-day zombie apocalypse that he preaches. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, forty days before the rapture, and they're going to go preaching. And he said this. I was there, I heard it right out of his mouth. You know, he's he's preaching this, and he's talking about how he he um, he said, now, "I know what you're thinking," because he said he was talking about how effective that would be. Imagine one of your dead family members came to you and said, "Hey, repent!" You know, the coming of Christ is at hand. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? And I'm sitting there the whole time, and I'm first, off, I'm like in shock at the stupidity I'm hearing, but the whole time I'm thinking, if they won't believe most of the prophets, they're not going to believe the one rose from the dead. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting back there. I, I sit, I'm one of the guys that's sitting next to me. I just looked at him. And I said. They won't believe Moses and the prophets. They won't believe the one rose from the dead. And I know he, Sam Gip didn't hear me say that to him. I know what you're thinking. You know, they have Moses and the prophets. They won't believe the one rose from the dead. But don't you think some probably will? That's exactly what he said. And I'm thinking, no! The Bible said they won't. All right? Now yes, we would think that they would. But the Bible says they won't. So guess what? They won't. End of story. No two ways about it. And, there, and God does not use that. Oh, you know, the Jews require a sign. I heard Sleuter say that again this week. He said the Jews require a sign. I try to get the Word out on these things to help these nut jobs on this stuff. The Jews require a sign. They still use that. They never read the rest of the passage. But the Greeks seek after wisdom. You know, they'll now you know they'll talk about the simplicity of the Gospel, how we need to keep the Gospel simple. But wait a minute. We're Greeks. We require wisdom. They never say that for us. But then they'll say the Jews require the sign. They don't read that the context of that. The Jews require a sign. The, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And it's what saves both of them. And I still saying that God's got to do this because the Jews require a sign. I'm, you know, the, just It's idiotic. And these people, they never learn their lessons. They never take correction. Nothing ever, nothing ever fixes them. And you know what? God gave the only sign He was going to give them. And that was the sign of Jonas where He was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And did the Jews accept that sign? No, they did not. They still did not believe Him. And they still do not believe Him today. And none of these things that go on are going to be signs that are going to get the Jews to believe. If they won't believe the Gospel now, they're done for it. They're toast. They're, after the rapture comes, if they had an opportunity, they are toast. And if they have read the Old Testament, they had an opportunity. And they are toast. End of, end of story. No two ways about it. It's, just, it's absolutely ridiculous. These people, that they, they don't repent of these things. And so, we need to understand, once again, judgments are not meant to cause people to repent. Or God's wrath is not meant to cause people to repent. So, some are to punish. And that's why in 2 Thessalonians 2.10, it says, "...and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, and then that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness." So, right there, the Bible's very clear. They're going to be damned. Why? They received the truth, but you know what? They rejected it. And so even something like the rapture is not going to get anybody saved. It's not going to get anybody saved. And it's funny, too, all these people that want to be down on the reprobate doctrine, they'll all quote this. You know, get her preachers, you better get saved tonight. Rapture come before the service is over. And If the rapture comes, you're not going to be able to get saved. God's going to send you a strong delusion. Basically, tell them you'll be reprobate. And you will not be able to get saved. But, because, but, why does God need to send this strong delusion? Okay? God is sending them this strong delusion because I don't care what dispensation you're in, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y'all get that? I don't care. Listen. Alright, now hear me out on what I'm about to say right here. Alright, if a homo called on the Lord, they would be saved. If Bruce Jenner would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and call on Him, he would be saved. You all get that? He would. Listen, for service or call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, do you think Bruce Jenner's got a chance? Nope. God's given him over to a reprobate mind. He's given over to a reprobate mind. Why? So he won't do that. So he will continue on his path of destruction and die and go to hell. And, it's exa- and people get so mad when you talk about that today, but they all believe it's going to happen in the tribulation. But they're able to get away with it because they say, well, that's because it's another dispensation. And in this dispensation, that's not the case. No, it is the case in this dispensation. It's this case in all dispensations. And I do. I believe if uh, a cross-dressing homo called on the Lord, he would be saved. But I don't believe they will because they've been given over to a reprobate mind. So, I do believe there are going to be some people that get saved... During the wrath of God period, but it clearly will not be anyone who ever had an opportunity. And you know, I mean, and I've kind of gone back and forth on this before when it comes to, you know, is anybody going to get saved in the wrath of God period? Some people believe that nobody will get saved in the wrath of God period, and I don't have a super strong argument for it. There's a couple of things I'm going to show you later that I think indicate that there probably will be some people to get saved. Uh, I, I do think there probably will. That would be my official position if you ask me. I do think some people will get saved during this time period. But I don't think it's going to be that many. And I do think we need to note the fact that when these judgments are mentioned, these ones here, and later on when it's getting to the vile judgments, it's constantly mentioning how they're just blaspheming God and they're not repenting. In all the judgments, whenever the Bible is highlighting... All the judgments, it is constantly noted how they are not repenting. And it doesn't give any exceptions in there. So I'm afraid, you know, you know it is, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell, but I think, I think it's there. I'll show you evidence of that when we get there later, but it's, it's another, you know, thing that, you know, if, if you want to disagree with me on it, that's fine. But I do believe that all, I, I do believe that all these seven trumpets are God's wrath. And that's why we don't see them causing anyone to be saved. Because this is judgment time. You know, when the fire and brimstone's falling, you you don't wait till then to get saved. Okay? You know, you don't call on the Lord when you're in hell. Then it's too late, and I believe it is it's too late for these people. Those who believe we are not appointed to wrath, but God, God does not use his wrath to get people saved. It comes after rejection. And these people did. They had they had they've had plenty of opportunities. I believe that I believe during the tribulation the Bible talks about you know they do do know the Lord will be strong and do exploits. I believe there will be a revival that takes place during that time. I do believe there's gonna be a lot of preaching that's going on. And you know what? Right now, I mean there's preaching going on all over this world. We've got churches all over this world. Yes, they're becoming fewer and farther between, but you know what else we have? We have the internet too. That's getting preaching out all over the world, and it's it's having an impact. And there, thank God for pastors that I mean are making huge impacts in other parts of the world through the internet. Listen, there's there you know we're gonna be having the soul winning mega marathon here in a few months, and there there are gonna be people on every continent, all over this world, out soul winning. Because of you know what 's going on on the internet i mean it 's amazing you know in over in England, where the churches over there are just garbage I mean they 've got like fifty or sixty people that have gotten together and done soul many marathons out there, you know, and a lot of that is due to you know guys like Pastor Anderson and his online influence i mean it 's incredible just what he has done through online and just getting that message out there and so you know, With technology today, there are less and less excuses for people to have never heard the Gospel. There, there's, there's fewer excuses. And I think God's using that. I think, I think God's allowed some of these things to come along so we can get the Word out even more just to kind of give people a final warning before He does return because God does want all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so I'm, I'm very thankful that, you know, we're seeing great things happen there. You know, and I, want to participate in it. You know, it's, it's been, uh, it's, it's an exciting thing. We live in exciting times and we don't have, I don't know how much time we've got, but I want to, I want to take advantage of the tools we have and accomplish as much as we can in the remaining time because I know the devil and his crowd, they're not, they're not lighting up. They're not backing off. So we've got to really take it to them and continue being aggressive on this stuff and trying to get the Word out. So anyway, so Revelation 9, a scary chapter, some horrible things that are to come, but you know what? I'm not worried about it one bit. All right? I'm only worried for those that I care about. And so that's why I want to get the Gospel to them and try to get these people saved. So I hope this will help to you tonight. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You, Lord, for that we're not appointed to wrath. Lord, we thank You for uh, sending Jesus to take our punishment on the cross. And Lord, we thank You for saving us. We pray You'll help us to use these things as we look at Your wrath that's to come as a motivation for us to uh, get the Word out and try to get more people saved before this day comes. In Your name we pray. Amen.